This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Thompson. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever podcasting platform you're listening to. Welcome to TPF Live, episode number 65. I'm your host, Rob Thompson, joined alongside my co-host and my friend, Nathan Solomon. As always, we're so glad that you could be joining us here for the world's fastest hour of racing talk as we look back at the action-packed weekend at the Bristol Motor Speedway Dirt Race Weekend and look ahead to a bit of a triple header this weekend at Martinsville Speedway, which will conclude, or will it conclude, the short track season? Ahaha! Uh-huh. Because, of course, we have a familiar friend coming back into the NASCAR Cup Series scene next month. But as far as points-paying races are concerned in the Cup side of things, yes. This weekend at Martinsville will conclude the first half of the short track season because North Wilkesboro is back next month. But we'll get into that a little bit later as to why I kind of segued it into it a little bit like that. But nevertheless, before we get started, of course, I want to give a huge thanks to Trish McCormick and Jasmine Sharp for a job well done over at Bristol. Yes, folks, it was a bit of history in the making because it was our first all female team that we've ever sent to a racetrack credentialed and doing a great job with the story so thank you Trish and Jazz and lo and behold they're back at it again this weekend you know Trish is on her third consecutive race weekend which is incredible she's a workhorse to say the least and I hope she's still got some energy for this weekend because she'll be shooting some great photos which we'll be sharing on our website for our content And of course, Jazz is going to be out on the ground to get some stories for us. So we'll eventually have her back on the show. And I'm sure she'll have a lot to say about the media landscape um, in terms of how her short track season has gone so far. And of course, that means for the rest of this month, there's always a team that is going to cover these NASCAR races for TPF. Because next weekend at Talladega, of course, we got Riley Thompson, Stephen Conley, and of course, Trish McCormick, triple threat for that race weekend. Sort of a triple header because ARCA will be racing there. And yes, we'll we'll actually care about the ARCA race at Talladega just a little bit. Um, and then at the end of this month, Nathan will be back at the racetrack with the North, Northeast boys. That's right. The Northeast boys are back in action with Sam Drace and Josh Jones. And lo and behold, I hope to be joining those boys Later this year, we can become the Fab Four at New Hampshire Motor Speedway because I am happy to announce that my next intended race, unofficially, because I'm still having to figure out some logistical parts out, that I intend to make my next race be the Crayon 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, not Crayola, Crayon 301. That's going to be hard for a 1980s kid like me not to think of the little coloring apparatuses that we had as kids. But anyways. Cannot wait to be back in New Hampshire. Hope to make it official real soon, because if I do, we're going to have a lot of great stories from the racetrack. And speaking of great stories from the racetrack, we have a lot to uncover from Bristol Motor Speedway, of course. And for this weekend, uh, with our hot seat interview, we have another familiar friend that's going to be joining us. It's, of course, no none other than AJ Allmendinger driver of the number 16 Colleg Racing Chevrolet Camaro entry. He's got way too many sponsors to name right now, so I'm not going to go through all the entire list. 
AJ, if you want to, you know, record yourself saying these sponsors next time, go for it. But um, he's, of course, back at the NASCAR Cup Series uh, level for the first time in full-time capacity since 2018. So, of course, that'll be the majority of what we talk about and much, much more. Um, and if you missed the Xfinity Series race press conference at, at Circuit of the Americas last month, let's just say that I was put in quite the spotlight. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure uh, Nathan will have a link to that video on Twitter and in the podcast description, which I'm about to send to him later on. But anyways, let's go bring in Nathan right now because we've got a lot to talk about. So Nathan, we are basically past the first quarter of the year. We're heading into Q2, as we say, in the business world. Now, though, it's it's the Cup Series Q2. So uh, how have you been doing? And oh, yeah, I guess we have to talk about a certain big topic that uh, is going to be happening this, happening this weekend. I know, big topic, big storyline this weekend, uh, going back into Martinsville, we won't spoil it too soon. Uh, not that y'all don't know, but always good to be here. Um, a lot to talk about as always, and, and crazy to think that I'm already like halfway between my races this month. I'm back at the track here in, in two weeks. So very much looking forward to that, but also really looking forward to seeing how, how the action plays out this weekend at Martinsville. You know, all, all three series there, they all they all seem to put on a good show at, at that paperclip. So it uh, should be a lot of fun to watch. Cup race back in the afternoon on um, on Sunday for the spring race. Like it should be. I mean, for what was it? A couple of years, it was three years, four years. It was a night race. We had a Wednesday night race in there with uh, in the COVID year. So uh, good to be back. How uh, the spring Martinsville race always should be. And that's, and that's Sunday afternoon. That's exactly where it belongs. It's 100 laps shorter. Uh, this time around, I will say, like I did last year before Martinsville, man, I wish we had 500 laps instead of 400, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm definitely encouraged by the short track package that we have this year so far with the less downforce situation. However, we do have to think about the threat of weather, but it is Thursday night as of this recording, so things with Mother Nature, as always, can change. But according to AccuWeather, of course, the forecast is calling for a shower in the morning, followed by showers and a heavier thunderstorm in the afternoon. And they've even gone as far as to say delays possible during the race, which has never happened in the history of AccuWeather.com. So I guess somebody's a racing fan on that website. But the good news is, is that there is going to be some clearing conditions at nighttime. So Nathan, I think it's going to be a bit of a long Sunday night for us, but we'll see. We're always ready. And we hope Trish and Jazz will be too. Could be a long, hope- uh, long Friday too. I know weather's in the forecast all day on Friday, so it could certainly affect uh, Xfinity practice and qualifying and um, and the truck race too. It kind of feels like, especially on the Xfinity side, they've not gotten dealt uh, a great hand in terms of practice and qualifying so far. I think they've only like especially because the super speedways they kind of do things a little bit differently too so i feel like they've just not had a lot of practice time so far so we'll see if see what track action we get on friday as well that's a really good point because the forecast is not looking that amazing tomorrow or friday rather because it's pretty much all (laughs) any hour of the day is calling for some kind of form of precipitation and then saturday for the xfinity race and cup qualifying of course looking at that right now it's about, you know, springtime weather is anywhere in the East Coast, you know, mostly sunny, chance of rain, and then clearing conditions at nighttime. So who knows? East Coast weather is always finicky compared to out here where we're based in Texas. Well, where I'm based because Nathan's not in Texas. He's in the good old state of New York. But anyways, we do hope for, fingers crossed, good weather, good times, good everything for everybody. But right now, before we get into putting in perspectives, why don't we hear 
from our sponsors, SpoilerDieCast.com. Hey, racing fans. Are you in the hunt for the latest diecast cars from Lionel Racing or F1 or IndyCar diecasts? Well, look no further. If you head to SpoilerDieCast.com, you'll find all of the latest and greatest diecast cars and get free shipping and 5% off of your orders if you use promo code TPF by spending $20 or more on your items. Head over to SpoilerDieCast.com and let Evan and his team know that you want the best diecast cards around. And if you use promo code TPF, you'll be in the winner's circle. It doesn't get better than that. So just head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com and make your latest purchases today. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, if you use promo code TPF, you can sell you 5% off of your orders and get free shipping on your orders if you spend $20 or more. So promo code TPF is here to save the day, save some money. And oh, by the way, you can get your pre-orders all you know, logged in so that Evan and his team can get those cars shipped out to you. And you can pretty much have your own stop motion race on your coffee table in the living room. Like me, maybe. But anyways, why don't we get to putting perspectives right now? So the big news, of course, as of Thursday evening, is the fact that Chase Elliott will officially return to the NASCAR Cup Series after his injury from a snowboarding accident in Vail, Colorado. He is going to be back in that number nine car after Josh Berry and Jordan Taylor substituted for him, respectively, on the speedways and, of course, with Taylor on the road course here in Austin, Texas. Now, during his media availability with the press, you know, Chase, of course, seems a bit ready, but he's, of course, realizing it's going to be a bit of a tremendous undertaking, to say the least. And adding pressure to that situation, when Elliot appeared on the Pat McAfee show, Pat McAfee himself said he would donate $100,000 should Elliot win the race at Martinsville. And we all know Martinsville's not exactly the easiest racetrack when it comes to legs when you're healthy. Now, just imagine if you're Elliot overcoming some kind of injury to your tibia, your lower body. And oh, by the way, you're going to be doing quite a lot of braking, a lot of shifting at this tiny paperclip track. So, Nathan, I know you were kind of an observer, or at least you listened to the entire Elliott uh, Zoom call on Thursday. You know, what were your thoughts on that? And how long do you think it's going to take for him to find his form again? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of unknowns. We really don't know. Like, honestly, I don't, I don't think we even fully know, like, if he's, like, walking completely fine. Like, if he's walking um, assisted or unassisted. Like, w- there's still a lot of things that we just don't quite know. And, and we won't know until we get to see him on the track. You know, I know he did some simulator work after getting medically cleared by doctors earlier in the week. Obviously, I, you know, the Chevrolet simulator, very good. At it. It's not, it's not the real thing, though. I mean, there's still, you know, I doubt he did 400 laps and they're like, he will at Martinsville. Um, obviously getting kind of beat around and having to go heavy on the brakes. So um, he'll definitely have to use his left leg a lot. And, and he made a good point in saying, you know, when, when you're not walking around on a muscle or you're not using a muscle for an extended period of time, that muscle mass gets lost very quickly. So it's going to take him time to get that muscle mass built up. Um, I know he's a very active person. He likes to run. He likes to, to bicycle. Um, he's not able to do that right now. Um, he said he doesn't really know when he's going to be able to do that again. So it's going to be um, kind of a longer process for him to, to really get fully 
um, kind of fully ramped back up. I think that for a while he might struggle on some of these tracks that that are um, that you know are, are heavy on the brakes, like a Martinsville. Um, well, I think honestly this is probably the last track for a little while that you'll probably be using brakes. Um, you know, obviously Talladega's next. That's that's pretty much wide open. Um, you know, you, then you got Dover. You know, I don't think you don't really have to use the brakes that much there. You can kind of just just a lot more throttle control than than anything else, as is uh, Kansas, Darlington. So um, he'll get a break from from the brakes a, a little bit after the, this upcoming week, but it'll take him a little bit of time. I mean, I I think he'll go out and win a race probably sooner rather than later. I mean, the Hendrick cars have just been wicked fast all year, and he's still an extremely talented race car driver, even if he's not maybe at a hundred percent strength in the legs, which he's obviously not. You know, it still wouldn't shock to see him run top 10 top five on sunday uh and contend for a win but i think if we look back i i'm willing to bet that probably by by coke 600 weekend i think there's a pretty good chance that um so let's say by the end of may i think there's a pretty good chance that chase elliott will be in victory lane because the hendrick cars are in contention every single week and chase elliott uh, is one of the most talented race car drivers in the field so it's certainly good to get him back they said six weeks in the original in the original release it's been exactly six weeks um they announced him and he's back I know Josh Berry will be on standby for him just in case something does go wrong over the weekend. But um, hopefully nothing goes wrong and, and we see a, a healthy Elliott for uh, for the rest of the season. Certainly, because he's definitely one of the biggest superstars in NASCAR Cup Series competition. And it's so much of a situation where, you know, even the networks are heavily promoting that he's back. Kind of like Jordan when he came, Michael Jordan came back, uh, not from an injury, but from his retirement situation. Um, during the 1995 NBA season. So it's a big deal to have your marquee player or driver back. And certainly I think a lot of folks are going to be watching in the grandstands and a lot of folks are going to be watching this race on TV to see how Elliott fares in his first race. And, uh, you know, I can't help but think about the Kyle Busch situation when he got injured at, at Daytona in 2015 with a leg injury, I believe. And uh, it took him quite some time to get back. But when he did, it didn't take him too long to find his winning form. And the the biggest thing for me, really, with Bush's situation was that his first victory after his injury was at a road course, which I would have thought would have been a really tough strain on his, you know, his lower body. But, you know, these dry, race car drivers are built a bit differently. They're really well conditioned, you know, and if you folks get to go to a race or, you know, cover a race, you can believe me when I say that these drivers are not your typical you know, person that sits at Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks and eats their donuts and drink coffee. Um, these are well-conditioned, um, true athletes by every sense of the imagination and definition. So it's going to be interesting to see how Elliott fares. And oh, by the way, Hendrick Motorsports gets their real crew chiefs back, if you will, their primary crew chiefs. So that's another big boost in the arm, if you will, for the number nine team is that Alan Gustafson's return coincides with Elliott's return. And of course, for the rest of the Hendrick campus, that means Blake Harris is back with Alex Bowman. Um, you got Rudy Fugel back with the 24 of William Byron. And of course, Cliff Daniels back with Kyle Larson and the number five team. So it's going to be a lot to be watching with Team Hendrick this coming weekend and in these next several weeks. And oh, by the way, for you folks in the, in the New York area, of course, Elliot will be making an appearance at a soon-to-be opened or newly opened Napa store. So when we get closer to the Dover Race weekend, I'm sure Nathan's going to remind you folks about that because that's going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity to meet um, the 2020 NASCAR cup series champion. Now one race I'm sure he 
probably was glad to just watch at home. Had to have been the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway last weekend, Easter weekend. Now, granted, a lot of the drivers, when Trish and Jazz were in the bullpen, I can't think of one driver who was like, I like this week, this race track. It's great. Let's bring back the dirt race weekend. Um, and I, it was kind of alarming when even Joey Logano spoke his mind about it because it kind of set the tone for the rest of the drivers who would rather have seen the concrete come back for the spring race. Now, granted, once again, weather was a factor. And once again, when you have Bristol in early April, the weather is not so conducive to good, you know, full race weekend schedules. But nevertheless, I mean, we got to see a rather interesting race. But, well, you know, look, it's the third time we've done this race. And I know Nathan's got a lot of opinions on this. I kind of teased him about last week. But this week you have the floor. Nathan, do you think this is a yay or nay when it comes to Bristol Dirt moving forward. Yeah, it's kind of funny because a lot of the drivers, most of the drivers criticized it in, you know, in the pre-race bullpen, but basically all the, the entire top five after the race, they loved it. So just kind of, kind of funny how that worked. But um, I mean, I'm not a fan of it for sure. I think if they're going to do a dirt race, do it at like an Eldora. I don't know if Knoxville will necessarily be like the, the right destination for the stock cars. I think we kind of got that experiment with the truck series and I, I don't think it went great there. I think Eldora would be a lot more suited for stock cars. So if they're going to do a dirt race, go there. Don't take away a Bristol Concrete Race. It's one of the best tracks, if not the best track that we go to. Um, I know obviously the big thing is attendance, right? Um, one of the big reasons why they made the switch to the dirt race is because nobody was really going to the spring race on on concrete. Well, nobody's going to the spring race on dirt either. And it doesn't help that it's on Easter weekend either. So I think that like there's different factors, different moving pieces. I think Easter is one of it. I think dirt race is one of it. One of them, excuse me. I also think that how early in the year that this race is, I think that's also another factor. I'd like to maybe see them um, move this race into May. I know it's kind of difficult because early in the season, there's only so many different places that you can really go to. I mean, you got, um, you know, obviously you got your Florida tracks, you know, you, you have Homestead tucked towards the end of the season, but um, you got Daytona, you got your West Coast swing. And really the last couple of years, the West Coast swing hasn't been the most pleasant weather-wise. Um, I think moving Coda to early in the season is a great move. Obviously, you got Atlanta. Um, but there, there's not a whole lot of options, I guess, in the southern and western parts of the United States of places where you can really go when it's where, where it's warm at this point of year, at this point of the year. Like, um, you even look at Dover, like end of April, like there, that race has never been that early. Like they, they kind of have no option but just to start pushing north and uh, pushing east a little bit further than, than they've had to in previous years. So um, I think that they, they should be adding in another off week or two into the schedule. Maybe one of those off weeks could be earlier in the season just to let the weather get a little bit more seasonable um you know i think that in terms of temperatures i mean like richmond weekend i think the, the weathers were excuse me the temperatures were were fine um it was just more of a rain thing or not and obviously spring is going to bring a little bit of rain but um just a lot of questions you know this this time of year i mean i think martinsville again temperature wise it's going to be all right the question is um is it going to rain or not so it, it it's tough for nascar i mean there again there's only so many places that they can really go to i know back in the day when texas had two dates right texas motor speedway would always be a spring race so um 
I think that next year we're going to kind of maybe see a little bit of a schedule restructure. I think that, you know, dirt race um, or no dirt race. I think that'll be one of them. Obviously the whole Easter deal. Um, again, weather's not been great to start this season. I think with all those factors in mind, I think that maybe we're not going to see a whole lot of track shift necessarily, but I think we'll see a lot more of, of date shift and maybe an added in or, or built in off week as well. So um, we'll just have to see, but I think NASCAR is really collecting uh, feedback from fans, from drivers, from crew members, from people in the industry um, that the schedule might need a little bit more restructuring um, to fit what the fans want and then also not have as many weather issues, which it's hard to have that, that balance, but um I think that they could probably, um, maybe with a, with an extra built-in off week, or maybe move Darlington up a little bit or something. Um, that that those could be options as, as to why or, or how maybe we can um, avoid a little bit more weather and, and, and maybe find a way to tuck Bristol a little bit later in the year or a little bit later in the spring. You know, I'd always wanted to see Bristol be a summertime race, actually, because in the late '90s the truck race used to be held, I believe, in mid to late June. And the weather in Tennessee is not terrible in that part of this the season. Now, granted, of course, when it comes to Nashville, we talk about how hot it gets. So that may not be the greatest idea to have, you know, a Tennessee race in late June. But who's to say you can't have it in early June just to kind of make the weather situation better? Because, it, yeah, I think at some point we're going to have to move the, the Bristol race. We cannot have it be, an you know, on an Easter weekend. And it's kind of funny because they were trying to say that we made it a little bit later so that the, the drivers and crews had more time with their family. Well, I think you kind of have to not have a race on Easter weekend. It's one of the most pivotal holidays of the entire year. So, you know, personally, I liked what Dustin Long wrote in his piece for NBC. He was saying dirt or concrete is not the real question. The real question should be, when should we hold this spring race at Bristol at all? Um, and you and I talked about this actually, um, you know, off recording. And you kind of proposed a really cool situation where what if Bristol gave up its spring race weekend? And instead, we had, you know, North Wilkesboro have a spring race weekend instead. And it's actually a points paying race. Now, how cool would that be? So we'll see. I would, I for one want to see it be a points paying race again. You want to see some great action. You don't see, you know, in my 30 somewhat years of covering, you know, watching a NASCAR races and then the last 15 years covering it, I can't say I recall North Wilkesboro having ring delays. So maybe Nathan's idea should be heard out by NASCAR, but we'll see. It would be an interesting situation, nevertheless. Now, one interesting thing to think about really heading into Martinsville is the fact that. Christopher Bell, who won Sunday night's really long Boot City Dirt race at Bristol. Let's just say this kid is doing such great things for Joe Gibbs Racing. If you think about when he's been with the number 20 team since the start of 2021, he's logged five victories. He's got 24 top fives, 42 top tens, four poles, and he's led 827 laps. That gives him a batting average or, you know, a winning percentage of just over 6%. It doesn't sound that great, but then you think about his chances of getting a top five. It's about, you know, more or less 30%. His chances of getting a top 10, even better, 52.5%. And for all the talk that a lot of us give to Hendrick Motorsports, you know, to, to Kyle Busch, um, 
Ross Chastain. Is it time for us to, number one, think that Christopher Bell is a genuine, really great cup driver? And two, Nathan, do you, do we not rate him as well as we should? I agree. I think it's underrated. I mean, I think we knew it was a matter of when, not if Christopher Bell came on. And I mean, again, I don't think we're talking about it a whole lot, but really since he won at Loudon back in July, he's been one of the best drivers in the Cup Series. He's won four times since July. He's won four of the last 25 races, I think it was, when I looked at racing reference a couple of days ago. Um, since then, he went on a tear. I mean, him and Adam Stevens are working incredibly well together, and he's really taken on this this next-gen car, and also he is incredibly clutch. I mean, you look at what he did in the playoffs last year, walk-off right in the round of 12 at the Roval. Otherwise, he would have made the, uh, the round of eight. Um, same deal in the round of eight. He's in, in points trouble, walks off at, at Martinsville, makes the championship four, and obviously wasn't able to win um won the championship at phoenix but uh, you know he, he was right there too and, and obviously if you get to the championship four really anything can happen and um you look at him right now i mean i think he's um i can pull up the standings he's either leading or he's like he's pretty dang close yeah he's leading he's leading the points right now by 13 points over ross chastain obviously the penalties to um the penalties to hendrick motorsports ha- have not helped with that but even let's say like Alex Bowman before the penalty, the was it a, was it a sixty point penalty? Yes. So, it, even yep. let's say you wipe out the sixty point penalty after the Bristol Dirt Weekend, Christopher Bell would still be leading points by ten points. So um, he's had a really good year. He has five top tens. Uh, I I definitely agree. I think he is pretty underrated right now. I mean, I I, I think people kind of forget. Like, man, he he has, he has five wins now. Like that's crazy. Um, he's still super young. He's, he's 28. He's not even at the, the prime of his career. So, I mean, I think, um, obviously we kind of have a little bit of a changing of the guard in the cup series. And we've had that over the last couple of years, you know, some guys retiring, some new guys coming in. Um, Christopher Bell is proving himself as a household name and I fully expect him to go out and, and win a few more races this year and, and have, a, have another great shot at, um, at the championship. So he, he's been really impressive again, ever really since Loudon, um, Ben, Honestly, I'd put him in the top five in the Cup Series, really, ever since he won at New Hampshire. He, he's been so consistent, um, and his points lead right now shows it. It's an impressive points lead for this early in the season. You know, 13 markers ahead of Ross Chastain, another 26 ahead of Kevin Harvick, and 39 above Kyle Larson. Uh, you, you should definitely be thinking to yourself, man, I'm having a really great start to the year. And I think one of the things that really works well for Christopher Bell, besides good equipment, is that He's got a great crew chief in, in Adam Stevens, and we all know that Adam can get himself a championship because he was responsible for being on top of that pit box with Kyle Busch, number, uh, the number 18 team back in 2015. So Christopher Bell can certainly make things happen in 2023, and honestly, I think he is the best chance for Toyota to win a championship, uh, given the fact that Danny Hamlin's uh, performance is not really lack of effort, but it's just been... He just really had some really bad luck. Not like last year when he just really couldn't do anything. This is just like absurd levels of craziness. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., same deal. Um, you know, just so many things going on with that. And then, number, of course, Pat Gibbs in the number 54. We all know he's going to eventually win a race later this year, but he's a cup rookie, has a lot to learn about the cup series for sure. But Christopher Bell, I think we cannot, you know, just keep dismissing him anymore. And it would not surprise me to see him win about four, five, maybe six races this year, just because he is that good of a driver. 
And I guess you could say the killer bees are back when you think about the old number uh, 20 yellow DeWalt car doing so well, just like Matt Kenseth did back in the day. Now, folks, it is time for us to think about winning because it is, in the words of Jack Edwards with Nesson, it's winning time. And this weekend, of course, all three major NASCAR series are at Martinsville Speedway. Now, the truck series, of course, has the Long John Silver 200 on Friday night or tomorrow night, really. Saturday night has the Xfinity series in that event that I'll try to name without looking. It's the call811.com 250. Wait. Call811.com before you dig 250. Oh, my goodness. For the NASCAR Xfinity Series and then, of course, the Cup Series. A lot easier to say. The NOCO 400, um, which, of course, is a Sunday afternoon or possibly Sunday night race with the weather. Now, there's a lot to think about for the winning teams and drivers. So, Nathan, I will give you the unenviable task to tell us who you think is going to win. All right. So, in the Truck Series, I am going to go with... Mr. Ty Majeski has been uh, off to a really great start again here in 2023. Obviously, ended 2022 really strong, winning at Bristol, winning um, at home instead of Miami Speedway. And he's a short track racer at heart, um, late model guy. So I'll go with Ty Majeski to win um, on Friday. And he's, again, he's been very underrated to start this truck series season two. I mean, you look up at the standings and you see, um, you know, he's leading points by, you know, 20, 35 points right now, or 34 points. So he's, he's been off to a great start. Um, in the Xfinity Series, this is going to be the safe pick, I know. Uh, I'm going to go Josh Berry, um, due for a win anyway in that number eight car. Uh, Martinsville, obviously, he, he's known for his success there, in especially in the late models, but obviously has won there in Xfinity as well. I will go with him. And then on Sunday, I'll go with Martin Truex Jr. to finally break through and get a win. It's going on two years since he's gotten a points-paying win. Um, has always been pretty good at Martinsville, and it's hard to bet against Martin at Martinsville. That's some rather clever thinking right there for these three coming races at Martinsville. And I think you got some good logic with all of those picks. So I'm going to try to top yours because for once we're not agreeing on all these picks. So I actually could be a little bit original with the, with my, my choices here. Now for the truck race, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the defending race winner is William Byron, but he is not competing this time around. So it's going to be someone new who will win this race. We do know that Kyle Busch has entered into that truck race on Friday night. So honestly, um, without giving it much thought, I'll say Kyle Busch wins on on Friday night. Gets himself some Long John Silver, um, perhaps. <laughs> well, as long as he doesn't uh, irk Cheddar's for doing that, but we'll see. For the call811.com before you dig 250 Xfinity Series race in Martinsville, we know last year, Kind of a controversial race between Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs. In fact, things got pretty heated between those two drivers at Martinsville. It didn't seem it seemed like Martinsville was kind of a tough track for Ty Gibbs in terms of post-race situations. But um, we know for a fact that Brendan Jones is the defending race winner. He yes, he is in this race. Honestly, I think Brendan Jones is due a victory here. It's been kind of a tough season to say the least for the number nine team. But we do know that, you know, Junior Motorsports is capable of winning at the Bullring or the Paperclip, rather, at Martinsville. So I like your idea of going with Junior Motorsports, but I'll take it one number higher and go with Brendan Jones. Now, for the Cup Series NOGO 400, which will be at 3 p.m. Eastern on FS1, not the Mothership Network, of course. This is going to be interesting. Now, first of all, let's see if we even have Cup practice and qualifying, because if we do, certainly we'll make things a little bit easier in terms of, you know, 
who do you think would be the, the favorite, if you will? Um, now, we know for a fact that Ross Chastain cannot wall ride his way on the final lap because the Holy Melon is outlawed or Hail Melon, whatever it was called. Never going to happen again uh, unless you want to get penalized and possibly concuss yourself. So, uh, but I do think he's going to be one of the contenders for Sunday's race. But honestly, it's kind of giving it a, a you know a non-biased perspective. You know, we just talked about Christopher Bell, and I honestly think he could make it two races in a row. It would be kind of a nice feat to see Joe Gibbs racing uh, with a new driver doing that. Well, new driver kind of winning that many times because we think of Martin Truex Jr., we think of Denny Hamlin. Formerly Kyle Busch doing all those feats. So I, I say we we look ahead to the number 20 team getting the victory on Sunday. I'll do a little bank joy, though. If he doesn't come through, I say that, honestly, Ryan Blaney's due a victory. It's got to happen at some point. Um, so if you're going to break a winless streak uh, with Martin Truex Jr., Nathan, uh, I will say if, you know, Bell can't do it, I say Blaney will do it. But we'll see. That's why we're making predictions. We don't know what's going to happen. Well, race fans, what do you think? Is Nathan right? Am I right? Or are you right? Why don't you tweet to us? Because Nathan's at nsolly 2 I'm at Rob T. Oxen. And of course, TPF's main Twitter line is at the podium finish. And if you want to tweet to our team, of course, that's going to be at the racetrack. You know, of course, we got Jasmine Sharp. She's got that crazy Twitter handle of jazz653086. Trish McCormick's is a little bit easier. It's Trish underscore McCormick. And yes, just like Nathan and me, she's got the blue check mark. So if you see that, you know she's legit. But anyways, folks, we hope you enjoyed Podium Perspectives. If you have ideas for a future topic, why don't you write to us? And if we pick your question or your suggestion, we'll buy you a 164 diecast car from spoilerdiecast.com and make it happen. So with that, folks, it's almost time to get to the home stretch because it is time for the hot seat coming up right now. And this week's edition of the hot seat's a bit of an entertaining one, but when is it never entertaining with AJ Almendinger? I mean, the guy is really good at interviews, but he's also very good at pulling some pranks on me as you'll hear in this latest interview that took place during the Pit Boss 250 slash Echo Park Automotive Texas Grand Prix race weekend at Sergeant of the Americas, which by the way, folks, it will be back next year. So a little bit of fun news on that. But anyways, um, AJ and I caught up to talk about his cup efforts, sort of the struggles that are going on. And he realizes, of course, naturally, it's not going as well as he thought, but you know, colleague racing with Chris Rice, Matt Colleague, and all the team, Matt Swiderski, and the number 16 team, they're not giving up, of course. They're in it to win it for the long haul. And if anything, he's got a really good mentality in terms of the challenges um, of his return. And of course, we learned if A.J. Allmendinger truly has any street cred, and uh, you might hear him do some foolish things later on when it comes to me possibly visiting Charlotte um, to cover the race weekend in October. Well, he wants it in May, but, you know, logistics are things that are never easy to handle. But anyways, here's the hot seat this week with AJ Allmendinger. Welcome back to another edition of the Podium Finish Live here live from Coda. I'm Rob Tiongson. 
This guy you should know, this is AJ Allmendinger, driver of the number 10 Celsius Chevrolet, and also driver of the number 16 Farm Smart Chevrolet. Neutrino Ag Solutions Farm Smart Chevrolet, however you want to word that. That's a long, I'm, I'll let you handle yeah. that part, man. But yeah, he's back, and uh, we, we were just saying before we got started, this man got me an A in coding at St. Bonaventure University, so Professor Royal, I hope you'll get to know NASCAR and root for this guy, because uh, he owes me, I owe him a lot. Yeah, yeah, I want my diploma. Here you go, St. Bonaventure. It might be the first one I get. Or maybe you'll get a, <laughs> maybe St. Bonaventure, you sponsored the number 16 and number 10 car when he's in this car. That's true, yeah. See, I'm just chilling. Yeah, shell out some money, okay? There's another school that sponsors a car that we should beat. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to say it because that's not, that's not who we are. That's not who we are. Yeah. We're, we're really nice here on, on the podium finish. But anyways, AJ, you know how we do things. Shop talk, fun, and then you just big zingers at me, so I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, it's your first full-time season back in the NASCAR Cup Series, and I know it's kind of been up and down, roller coaster like ride-like, but uh, how encouraged are you about things with the number 16 team? And, what are some things you're like, man, we've got to keep working at this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think the the race that hurt was Fontana, getting taken out early and finishing last. You know, those are those are races that I wanted to avoid because, you know, in our development of a race team, you don't just make those points right back up in stages and stuff. So, you know, other than that, I feel like we've, we've kind of maximized kind of each race. Uh, we definitely don't quite have the speed yet, but what I'm always encouraged about this race team is kind of how we put our heads down. There's never finger pointing at each other. So, you know, it's early in the season and then, you know, hopefully weekends like this, although the cup side of it's been a struggle so far, uh, made a lot of progress today compared to practice. Uh, but yeah, you just try to have good runs and, and if you're running 20th, you just try to maximize and, and get an 18th, things like that. So, um, you know, we got a ways to go, but it's, it's early and, and, you know, we're developing as we go and that's, that's a part of an organization that's a second year cup team, so um, it's all right. We always want to be better, but it could be a lot worse. For sure. I mean, I was looking at your statistics the last couple of years, and it seems like the more reps you got in the cup car, you just kept picking up on the performances. I know you had the win at Indy in 2021, no wins last year, but I mean, how close do you feel like you guys are knocking on the door at a place like Coda or even the Super Speedway coming up at Talladega? Yeah, it's, you know, I. The road courses we know we can be really good at, but you know, for instance, in practice we were in the mid 20s, so it just shows how competitive the series is. It's just because you get to a road course doesn't mean you're just automatically going to be in the top 10. It's hard to run in the top 10 at any racetrack now, so uh, it's about trying to, to take our better racetracks and, and get the best out of it. Of course, the ultimate goal is to always win, but at the end of the day, take those good days and then you know take racetracks short track programs probably where we're struggling the most right now so just try to make those better so it's I think it's tough on the outside sometimes because everybody's like oh you know college racing they're close to winning and sometimes you're like no we, we got a ways to go to be consistently up there but it's about getting better as a race team and you know as I said as long as you're in it together and, and nobody's kind of splitting ends of, of okay it's his fault it's that fault as long as our heads down together we're all on the same page it, it makes the process of it at least fun it's when it starts separating that's when it gets hard and we're nowhere near that so that's that's what encourages me and, and knowing that we can continually get better 
Yeah, I'd say one of the qualities that uh, you've seen with Collard Racing is the cohesiveness with this unit. Whether it's with this Xfinity part-time schedule you got, or the Cup side, I mean, how much of a difference has it been to race for Collard Racing over like the last four or five years at this point? Yeah, I mean, it to go part-time to full Xfinity, now back full-time Cup, just seeing the way this team grows and, and keeps getting better. You know, you take the Xfinity side of it, for instance, we won two regular season championships, but I felt like, especially last year, we were just struggling to find raw speed every weekend. You know, the group that the men and women have worked on in the Xfinity series has shown this year, right? Chandler's been really close to winning. Daniel's running inside the, the, the top 10. The 10 car who's ever in it is, is up front. Um, so the Xfinity side of it is, is getting better. You know, the cup level, unfortunately, is three or four times as hard. So it's just, you see the group of cars you're racing around. I mean, heck, the last couple races, you're running 15th to 22nd, and you're racing against Hender cars, Gibbs cars, Penske car. Like, it's tough to run inside the top 10 consistently. So, but I love being a part of it and growing together. And you have your ups and downs, you have your frustration moments, but, um, if I didn't enjoy this team and, and love how close we are, close knit, on and off the racetrack, then it'd be a different story. But yeah, we're always going to keep pushing. But the the friendship and family side of it is, is goes way beyond uh, compared to, to that just being at the racetrack. Absolutely. I mean, you've seen that evolution with this team, even with yourself. I mean, ten years ago, you were just kind of like doing some part time racing in stock cars and indie cars, and then now you are you're kind of like the respected. I don't want to see an elder stage person of poly racing. I'm old, Rob. I get it. Well, we're both old. How about that? Okay. Well, you've gone from the young man to an older driver, but you know, you're you're back in Cup. I mean, does it sometimes just boggle your mind, given how Cup is always about these younger talents, and here you are, you're bucking that trend. Well, I think it's just about finding that race team that that works with you and works for you, and and things like that. And I've been so fortunate in, in my life that I've gotten to drive for the Roger Penske's and the Richard Petty's and things like that and on the cup side of it uh, you know but when you're a part of those teams the history's already been written you're just trying to be like this small part of the history and you come to a team like this to where when I walked in the shop in 2019 there was really no banners up and Ross won that first race in Daytona and now you walk into the shop and we have, whatever it is, 15 Xfinity banners, a cup win at Indy, and you can write the history together. And that's what really is enjoyable about this aspect of where I'm at in my life and, and part of this team because, you know, heck, three years ago, it, everybody's like, man, are you excited to get back to cup? Like, you, like is that what your goal was? I was like, no. Like, I, I was like, and, but when you're enjoying it, it makes you want to come back and challenge yourself. And that's that's what's so fun about this team is that I get to be a part of this history and hopefully for years on end, whether I'm driving or not driving, continually try to help build the history of this race team. You're adding to it for sure each season. It's always fun to watch what you do just because I feel like the progress you've made over these last several years, it's kind of coincided with college racing. So would you kind of say like, you guys kind of go hand in hand, there's a bit of synergy going on with that? I hope so. You know, it's Matt and, and Chris, and, and this goes for all the men and women at the team, but because I'm dealing with Matt and Chris a lot, it, it's they allow me to be me, which is a little psychotic sometimes. 
little crazy. Uh, but they know how much I care. And, and when I'm frustrated, I'm frustrated myself because I want to be better. I want to keep bringing this up to the next levels. And uh, they just allow me to, to, to do that. The good with the bad, right? It's like, and it, it's, I know it's funny, but it's true, right? There's, I always say that the things that make my life great are also the, some, some of the things that make my life miserable sometimes in my own head. And that's the fact, wake up, be better. Yeah. And that's how I push myself every day. And that's how I come to the racetrack. It's like, I don't care what I did yesterday. If you don't do it today, it doesn't matter. So there's, there's good and bad with that, but you know, we're in it together and, and they allow me to be who I am and, and I love it. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the aspects also that allows you to be yourself is you've got that great familiar, familial support. I mean, obviously from your parents, your wife Tara. I mean, how pivotal has it been to have this great support system that allows you to have this energy to pursue your dreams? Well, my parents have always just created this dream for me, right? Like, I, I started racing because my dad raced when I was young, and I watched him at just local dirt tracks, and that's where the passion came from. Uh, you know, my mom was always kind of the, the quiet person behind the scenes, but I was the one, I was actually scared of her compared to my dad. <laughs> my mom's five foot, my dad's six two, I split right in the middle and I was scared to death of my mom. So, uh, but yeah, that's, this, we've always chased that together. And then, you know, my wife Tara, she's had to see the dark times. I've told her several times that she probably deserves somebody that's not as dark at times. But she doesn't allow it. She keeps me fighting through it. And it's important because this sport takes over your life, right? We do this, all of us do this 40, 42 weeks a year. And the off season, you don't really have an off season. And so it can be, even when it's going well, it can be tough, let alone if it's struggling. So you, you need everything around you. And that's with my family and my friends are important. But that's also what goes with color racing because there's no ever finger we're in this together, and you know that's we're we're at war sometimes, right? With the, with the other teams, like this is what it comes down to. You want to go in it together, and we always do. It's like gladiator stuff at times. Yeah. You say? Oh yeah, and we drive like it sometimes too. But do you sometimes scream in the radio and say Sparta? No, I scream a lot though, so <laughs> not so much that. Probably language we can't repeat on this video, so uh, we'll just keep it at that. But uh, I gotta ask you this question that I've never done before. How does driving your number 16 Chevrolet Camaro compare to your everyday street car? Uh, well, I drive a Chevy Tahoe at home, so at least it's the same car in, in when it comes to what's worded on it. Uh, I'd say probably younger days, I felt like I was always on a racetrack. <laughs> now, probably a little bit calmer on the road if I need to be. The, the thing that, it's not about speeding, it, just don't get in the fast lane and run like 65 miles per hour just because you can be in the fast lane. Get the F out of the way, okay? Like get over <laughs> to your lane. If we're gonna run 80 in the fast lane, cool, but don't just get in the fast lane just to get in there and just run your own speed. Real thoughts. Tell us how you really feel yeah, about that. Anyway. Oh man. I a nerve there, Rob, sorry. Oh, that's okay. At least I'm not the boys in blue, so yeah. we're, we're cool with yeah. that. Don't worry about it. I mean. You're part of this amazing anniversary season of NASCAR. I mean, I know you weren't around. You were around for the 60th anniversary, I think you were. Yeah. So uh, maybe. Yeah. 2008. Probably. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I tried to forget that year. Oh. Um, uh, anyway. I do too. Yeah. Times. But I mean, what's it been like to be part of this diamond anniversary of NASCAR? 
Yeah, I mean, it's younger, younger me, you probably don't even think about it, but now you just don't take it for granted, right? To be a part of the history of what NASCAR has been around for 75 years and just to, to be here racing, let alone uh, have lucky enough to have won races in Xfinity and Cup and just know that long after all of us, you're still a part of that history and you got to be uh, a part of something special. Uh, doesn't mean a lot right now, but you know, when you get done, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing to look at those memories and see that you're a part of it. At least some of those memories include, I said the, tr the trophies, but even those Lionel diecast cars. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's been cool that a lot of those win trophies, we get to put a car with it. So yeah, it's, you know, those are things that, as I said, right now you kind of walk up there like, yeah, it's cool, but you're so focused on the next week. But when it's all done, it's, it's nice to be able to look at those and have those memories. Just for the record, I did get your 124 scale car and I'm like, I'm just helping my friend get a little residual, I hope. I didn't get anything from that. Oh God, Lionel Racing, get that, get with it, man, get with yeah. it. Well, I got a couple more questions because I know you got a really busy day, my friend, and probably going to see you in the media center. Uh, I hope so. Just saying, and then yeah. I hope that you do. Please, please rag on me. I expect it. That's one of my favorite things to do, Rob. So don't worry about that. I want to be a viral hit. Yeah. So, and if it is, I will give you some residual on that. Should you create a TikTok dance if you want to be a viral hit? I could. Yeah. But do you think I can dance? I don't think so. But that actually sometimes makes it better, right? Uh, what was that guy on the American Idol? The, uh, the guy that couldn't sing, that all of a sudden became very popular? William Hung? Yes, him. Yeah, but the difference is I can actually sing. Okay. Oh, but well, you can't dance. So I that's can't. what I'm just trying to... Oh, I'm like the William Hung that can't dance. Yeah. Okay, okay. There you go. That's fair. Yeah. That's three good singers so far, folks. I'm keeping what, track. What is your go-to song? God, I don't know, man. Let me. Well, before we get back to the interview, is this Sir Mix a Lot? Maybe got back. Oh, I do that sometimes. Okay. I'd like know. to see that one. Um, I do Beastie Boys Intergalactic. Oh, nice. See, okay. I got some street cred. All right. I just don't look it, but I do. Well, that's good. I like it. You know. How about you? What what street cred do you have? None. I have no street cred. Even though you're from like Los Gatos, California. Yeah, I'm from the Cats. The Cats, yeah. California. Yeah, I'm from the Cats, California. Yeah, there's not. I'll make a rap song for you. Okay, there you go. You need to make that your Bristol nighttime uh, race song. If you make a rap for me, I'll play that. I can guarantee that. That'll be my intro song. But it won't, it won't be DJ Rob. That's a little too obvious. No, that's fine. Maybe I'll be calling myself Bob Hawkers. No, there's already a Bob. You're your own person, man. I don't know. Just like MC Hammer. Well, I thought you were gonna make a special rap song. Oh, I'm going to. Yeah, that. So, do it how you're gonna do it. Okay. And we'll play it for my intro. And it won't be played in my parents' basement. I promise. Okay. Sorry, folks that are living in their parents' basements. I'm not making fun of you. <laughs> I just lost like 30 subscribers for doing that. Well, a couple more questions for you. What are three selling points that you would tell a NASCAR fan? Hey, I'm the guy to cheer for every weekend. I'm real. Yeah. Good or bad. It's, uh, you listen on the radio, I apologize. I wouldn't maybe let your kids listen to me on the radio sometimes. Um, I do like to have fun. Sometimes it doesn't show at the racetrack because it's all business, but get me drinking and, and we'll have a good time. And um, third one, uh, look at me. I knew you were gonna say that. Right, babe? Right, oh yeah. <laughs> Sold her. <laughs> oh man, you hear that, folks? Looks, yeah. uh, uh, charisma, charisma, charm, and Celsius. 
Celsius. That's what you meant by drinks, folks. Yeah. Well, vodka was Celsius. Okay. Not the other thing that PK drives. Pligerman. No. No, Celsius. Celsius. Okay. Yeah. I, with vodka. Okay. I told him about this earlier in the week. He said, tell him that the other brand is much better than your brand. Really? Yeah. Okay. Am I starting a rivalry for you? No. I, Parker knows where he stands for me. Okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to like cause a WWE plot line here, but I didn't. My well, last question is, and I didn't learn this until t like this past week. You own a co-own a restaurant called On the Nines, I think. Uh, a restaurant and a bar, boatyard. Jeez. Yeah. That's in Huntersville and Mooresville. Okay, look it up once you get there. Say, tell them AJ sent you. You still won't get a discount because we need to make some money. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that after this recording, but. Uh, how has it been like to own on the nines? Well, so what I say is I I technically don't own any businesses. I invest in one person. So uh, he's basically my older brother. I've known him almost since I moved to North Carolina. He owned a, he's owned a lot of restaurants, but I met him through when he owned the Galway Hooker. It was an Irish pub. And we started doing businesses together. So I invest in one person and his name's Chris Bikitis and Literally, you can tell me, wake up tomorrow and tell me, hey, we're going to Port of John's. That's what we're investing. That's what I'm going to do. I'm like, all right, bud, let's do this. So, but we do own a restaurant at the Mooresville Golf Course on the Nines, and then we own uh, a great bar that, now that I know you sing, I might be able to get you. We got two stages for music. Okay. So maybe we could get you a gig okay. at Bowyard. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. What, so, yeah. What, what other journalist sings there besides me, though? I don't know. I don't ask that. Adam Alexander. I want to compete against him. Does he sing? I don't know. He looks like he does. He kind of seems like a sort of England Dan and Foley type. Okay. I was gonna say Enya, but that's your that's your uh, your purview. No. He told me that in September. Were you just busting me? Yeah. <sighs> that's four singers, folks. Four freaking singers. From the dinger. From the ding. <laughs> I oh. did that. Okay. Oh. Well. Well, I have nothing else to say about okay. that until right. we see you get each other again probably in July. Yep. Or September, whenever I actually can afford to go to a race. Because, you know, you don't actually, you don't sponsor me, so. No, I don't. You do not, but no. it's okay. you have any parting words for the fans and any parting shots you want to throw my way right now? Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, maybe we do a GoFundMe for Rob to come to Charlotte for the 600, get him on the stage at Boatyard, what do you think? And we'll film this in front of a huge crowd. Yeah. And the best part, folks, is I don't even need the drink to sing. I just do it. And here's the deal. I said, go fund me. I'm not paying for him to come out to Charlotte. <laughs> so go fund me. Wow. That, it up, fans. That was AJ Almendinger, my brother from another racing family. And uh, if you want to follow AJ, he has a Twitter, AJ Dinger, and uh, nothing else. Do not follow those scammers. No, they're all scams. Yeah, they're yeah. all fraudsters. Yeah. But that's AJ. I'm Rob. The guy for filming is Sean Folsom, and we will see you all next time. Peace out, people. That was AJ Almendinger, driver of the number 16 Action Industry slash Nutrient AG slash Farm Smart Chevrolet Camaro entry, fielded by Colleg Racing. My thanks, of course, to AJ and his PR, Skylar Kays, and everybody at Call of Racing, probably MCTOC, all of y'all are so awesome. And shout out, of course, to Xena the Pitbull, 
the cute pitfall that uh, is traveling the circuit. And of course, that interviews in the memory of um, Mr. Tickles, who AJ and Tyra will never forget. If you go to AJ's website, they are selling some pretty cool hats and a few that are commemorating the life of Mr. Tickles, everyone's favorite cat that traveled the NASCAR circuit. So best of luck to AJ this weekend. And uh, if I do make it to Charlotte, we'll see if I go to the boat yard and sing a few numbers. Uh, I will take requests. And yes, you can film it. I have no shame, folks. And I I don't know if I'll sing in the media center, though. That's probably, that's probably going to be a, a tough order to do. But anyways, before we wrap things up, again, this weekend's races are at Martinsville Speedway. So if you are heading to the track, we are going to see you there with Trish and Jazz. And then, of course, the month of April wraps up with Talladega and, of course, Dover. And I forgot to mention, we also have an, a team at the IndyCar race at Long Beach, California. Yes, folks, besides the Tiongson siblings, your next favorite siblings in racing are around. That would be the Skidan siblings of uh, Maddie and Logan. They'll be covering the IndyCar action out in California. So look for some stories and reports from them. And of course, I'm sure Luis Torres will have some stories ready for those races as well. So lots to get to, so much to uncover. So that's why I think, folks, it's just about time for us to wrap up this edition of TPF Live. So for Nathan Solomon and AJ Almendinger, I'm Rob Tiongson saying, of course, thank you so much for tuning in to TPF Live, the world's fastest hour of racing talk. For previous editions of our show, check those out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever podcasting platform you listen to. But until then, folks, we hope you all go get that checkered flag. And until next time, everyone, so long, folks.